mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi. Telling everybody everything. Me, your friend Catherine Ryan, coming to you from the podcast studio in the back garden, laying down on the couch. I have reached that time when any chance I have to be horizontal, not being crushed by Fred, is a time that I am horizontal. Listen, in my pregnancy, when I didn't have small children, and that was both my first pregnancies, Violet was my first, and then obviously when I had Fred, Violet was a grown-up, basically 12 years old, so I didn't have to worry about a toddler like smashing me up. But this time I do, and God, it has put everything into perspective about how I used to cradle and look after my bump. I'd be in a crowd, and I'd think, oh, I don't want someone to bump into me and accidentally you know, knock into my tummy. None of that matters, because this baby's fine. They're surrounded in so much amniotic fluid, it doesn't matter. Fred climbs me like a tree. He grapples along my stomach. He, you know, basically I'm in all kinds of awkward positions, getting on the floor. He has a Montessori bed, which I've talked about. It's basically a mattress on the floor, and I have to get down there several times a night to readjust him or lay with him or give him milk. And um, before I would have worried, like, oh, should I move this way? Am I squashing the baby? What I've learned in this pregnancy, my main takeaway is, no, you can't squash the baby. Just do what you want. If it really, really hurts you, probably stop doing it. But I mean... Nothing I ever say is uh, actual accredited medical advice, by the way. It's just my own experience. Listen, there's a Christmas scam going around. There are probably lots of Christmas scams going around. But the other night at exactly, was probably 7.45 p.m., Bobby and I were in the kitchen. And I had received a few phone calls that day from numbers I don't recognize, mobile numbers a 019 like well in garden city number or something i don't know i didn't answer that i don't answer well i don't answer numbers i know i I wouldn't answer if my mom called i would text her and say what's up what's happening i can't i just can't take an unscheduled phone call from anyone i'm a millennial but i wasn't answering these calls and bobby said the same he said i've had a lot of weird calls today but i haven't answered them and also neither of our phones make noise so we don't mean to blank these calls all the time it's just we're busy so uh all of a sudden I look at my phone my phone's ringing I said oh there's a call right now I answer it and it is a British sounding gentleman who claims to be from Amex I looked at the number it was a 0800 number it was the number that you call Amex on uh, I looked it up on Google while I was on the phone with this guy. That's It is the Amex number. And he said, hey, uh, blah, 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 there's something with your account. To confirm your identity, I'm going to text you a code to this number, and then you're going to tell me what the code is. Now, he's messing with the wrong one because you don't give the code out. Even when you get Amex codes to uh, verify purchases and stuff, it says never give this code out to anyone. Don't give it to the police. Don't give it to anyone. So, I mean, it is bullshit. So the guy goes, you're going to get a code. I'm like, all right. The code comes in. It says, to add Amex to your Apple Pay, enter this code. So I know it's a scam now. He is a fraudulent individual who's working, I don't know, with an organization where they've been able somehow to clone Amex's number and ring people up. I don't really know what the what the scam is, like how they get your Amex card or how much of your credit card information they have. I worry that to enter it into Apple Pay, you need, like, do you need the expiry and the three-digit code? I don't know. I don't know how they get your card, but he got it. The only time I used it, I mean, I was at Five Guys the night before with Violet and her friend. I don't know. Like, I don't even use that card in real life. I'm not out in real life. I do use it online. But anyway, be careful of your card numbers getting out there. But then if your card number does get out there and they ring you and they say, there's a code, give it to us, do not give them the code. So the code comes up. He's clearly trying to add my Amex to his Apple Pay. I've just paid off my Amex. 
and there's loads of room on it. Thank you, Amex. And also, I don't know, room is sometimes a bad thing. It's tempting. And I said, yep, I got the code. It is one, two, three, fuck you. And the guy goes, okay, uh, one, two, three, fuck you. He repeated the words, fuck you, back to me down the line. And Bobby's listening. I wish now that Bobby had got his phone and recorded the call because then you could listen to it now. I just wish that so much. And maybe you could hear his voice and maybe we could catch him. But uh, I liked that he had enough of a sense of humor to repeat this code back to me. He goes, no, no, that's not going through. Do you want to try again? And I said, yeah, yeah, no, I, I got it the first time. It's one, two, three. Oh, no, it's one, two, three. Go fuck yourself. Fuck yourself hard immediately. So he goes, one, two, three, go fuck yourself hard immediately. No, no, that's not going through. And I said, oh, would you try suck your mom, six, nine, six, nine? And he said again to me, suck your mom, six, nine. And he said, no, I'm sorry, that request is timed out. And then he hung up on me. And then I was worried. I was like, oh, maybe he was repeating all that back to me to keep me on the phone for a certain amount of time. Like, I, you know, because I don't know what these scams are. I knew it was a scam. And I knew not to give him the code, but like, then I started to question, well, shit, how much, like, what can he do with the information he already has? And then I got an email from Amex for, oh, by the way, these texts come through from Amex because they are from Amex. He's trying to add your Amex to his Apple Pay and Amex, the real Amex, gets that notification and tries to send you this code. So it is a genuine text. It's just fraudulent because he's manipulating, you know, all these things. So then I get an email from Amex being like, oh, your card has been removed from Apple Pay. And I was like, oh, what, what is happening? So I rang the real Amex and I spoke to them and they confirmed that no one from the fraud team called me, that this was a scam. And they were like, it's cool. If you didn't give him any code, then that's great. Uh, do you want to change your card number just to be safe? And I was like, no, nah, it's fine. So I froze my Amex overnight just to be like extra extra safe and then I unfroze in the morning and I've been like keeping on top of it just looking to make sure there are no dodgy charges but yeah you know there were things about this scam that seemed very legitimate so please watch out please be aware I know so many people who've been taken in by these scams please let me know email me at telling everybody everything at gmail.com if there are any other Christmas scams kicking about and how nasty is it to rob someone at the holidays in a financial crisis. Like I'm not in a tricky financial position anymore, but I used to be. And if I was busy with Violet when she was young, or if I was distracted and I accidentally gave that code, like if they had stolen any money from me at all before Christmas, and I don't even think you get it back. Like if you willingly give out your code, I think your credit card company's hands are really tied. Like they don't cancel those charges. They go, well, you're not supposed to give out the code. Some of these fraudulent schemes are irreversible. That would have fucked our entire Christmas. Like we wouldn't have been able to get food. So I know that everyone is in a tricky position. And I think crime is going to be on the rise. You've seen Home Alone. The burglars know that you've got presents under the tree and that you're going to be out at holiday parties or you're going to be passed out after too much tiramisu flavored Baileys, which I saw an advert for, and I will be drinking. So, I mean, be vigilant. Ugh, on the subject of vigilance, did you guys see 24 hours in police custody on Channel 4? This is not an ad. I get so excited because I don't even know how they make these programs. Basically, Channel 4 will release an episode in their long-running series, 24 hours in police custody, and you never know when that's going to happen. There's, it's a, it's a real crapshoot. There's no announcement, like new season of, it's nothing like that. They'll just be like, today, we feel like showing you 24 hours in police custody. And you can see by the quality, which is so high, that it takes years to make this. Years. There's a camera crew that will follow a police department around, I guess, and they choose the Luton Police Department. Apparently a lot of crime goes down around Luton, but a lot of it seems to be sort of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire, you know, episodes. And uh, these are sleepy small towns. And all of a sudden, I don't know how much they film before they get something they can actually use, but they follow the whole case, the arrest, they give you an update how it turned out. It takes years to make one episode. 
So I'm going to try not to give any spoilers. The last thing you want to do right now, if you don't want a spoiler, is Twitter search or internet search 24 hours in police custody. This episode just came out, I think on Tuesday. I was working. What day was that? I don't know. Came out recently. And the internet is a buzz. So there's loads of, oh, it's so good. Some of them are about murders and things and they scare me, but this one hits home and it hits home at Christmas and it hits home for people with families. And I think an American person watching it would be like, what the fuck is this country? So trying not to give any spoilers. There is a man at home in Luton with his lovely wife and they have sleeping children from what I understand. It's 11 p.m. and he gets a notification on his security system that there's movement at the front of his house. He has just listed his motorcycle for sale on Facebook Marketplace and he's given his postcode out to someone he was making an arrangement with to collect this motorbike the next day. So presumably, you know, people know that there are valuables in this garage. He's also an electrician. He has lots of equipment in the garage. He has things going on. So he looks on the cameras and out front you can see two masked men, one wearing a helmet. They both are, you know, masked and gloved, ready to burgle. One of them has some type of like wooden stick in his hand and the other has a crowbar. So it's not as though these are lads like passing for a walk. This is a quiet village road and they've come straight up to the house and they're looking for a way in. So the man scares them away. He's called Adam White, by the way. Again, don't search his name unless you want to know the end. So he chases them away and they run off and then he gets in his car and he peels out to make sure, you know, to chase them away. Um, in his words, he was just trying to, you know, get them away from his property, um, kind of make sure they weren't going to come back. Because you never know. You chase them away on foot one night, they come back an hour later, they come back next night. So he chased them in his car. They were on a motorbike. He says he was coming around a corner, lost control. And I believe him because he ended up hitting the motorbike, but he also, his lovely like Mercedes SUV went under this tipper truck that was parked down like the lane and it was only five minutes away. The drive took like minutes, less than minutes. And uh, so his car was fucked up. The motorbike was fucked up. The two robbers get injured. And these are serious injuries. Police come, ambulance come, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, well, they were robbing me. I have video footage of that. And they show you the video footage in the episode of these guys. And he goes, I was trying to get them away from my family, like protect my property. Am I going to be in trouble? And the cop's like, I don't want to get involved. So he goes down to the station. He is questioned. He has to do an interview. He's on the phone with his wife being like, oh, my God, like I was just trying to get them away from our property. But everyone at the police station is obviously on this guy's side. They're talking behind closed doors and the cameras, the Channel 4 cameras are capturing this. And they're just like. Yeah, what? I mean, he didn't mean to hurt them. He was trying to protect his family. Like, what are you going to do? Just let these guys come with crowbars around your wife and baby? Like, whatever. So it ended badly. And the guy said he expressed remorse countless times. He was like, look, I didn't, I'm sad that they're hurt. I didn't want them to get hurt. I just wanted them away from my property. Turns out these guys are like 22 career criminals, like full pieces of trash. They've been arrested for stealing cars. The motorbike they were on was stolen. They've been arrested for lots of theft and violence and different things. They have long rap sheets and it's very sad because they're only young. They've been in the system since they were like juvenile delinquents. But the man who chased them away from his property is just like a family man. He has no rap sheet. He's done nothing wrong. So they decide to release him without charges later that night. But they're like, you might be charged in the future. So all this different stuff ensues. Anyway, it really reminded me of like a split decision that can lead to a whole episode of 24 hours in police custody if you want to find out what happened i mean if you want to watch the episode it's very gripping it's on channel four all four um which is like their catch-up system and if you don't have access to that you can just look on twitter and see suffice to say there is a uh, gofundme page for this adam white that has reached when I checked it yesterday, it was like 70 grand. It'll be more today. It's only been up for a few days. It reached like 20 grand in the first hour or something. Because this guy's been through a lot. Either way, however it shook out, 
I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I mean, it's not nice to face a situation where you're implicated as a criminal when you started out as the victim. And it's like when we were robbed and there was a man in our fucking house. Like he wasn't even sniffing around the garage. He was in my daughter's bedroom upstairs in our house. What if she had been sleeping in that bedroom? What if we were out and she was alone with who we had at the time was quite a young, sexy babysitter. Like, you don't know what someone's intentions are when they come into your house with a weapon. This guy in our house had a weapon. It was aggravated burglary. And um, Bobby found him by chance, wrestled him, chased him out the window, then went outside and chased him down the street. Legally, he should not have chased him down the street. Legally, in this country, once that burglar was out of our window and out of our property, Bobby should have remained in the house. Well, guess what? No one had caught that burglar. Bobby caught the burglar outside, handed him over to police, and the police lost him. Okay, like no offense to the police, but like, did that guy ever face any justice? He got the scare of his life, hopefully, because he was tackled by Bobby and beat up in the street. Thank God, and that's the only recourse that we had, and and Bobby got my laptop back. The guy still stole a bunch of our stuff that was in his pockets and whatever else, and he never went to jail, and he was never named. He could be out burgling in our neighborhood again, but hopefully not. Hopefully he goes, you know what? There might be a man in that house who's going to kick my ass and chuck me out a window. Luckily, he was not seriously hurt, though. Bobby didn't ever want to seriously hurt anyone. He just wanted to deter this man from attacking his family and stealing his property. And thank God Bobby chased him on foot, barefoot, no shirt on. It was hot. It was sexy. But thank God Bobby didn't chase him in a car and like accidentally run into him. Or, you know, like th- these things can go bad, which is why the law doesn't want you to participate in vigilantism. You're not supposed to be violent, even if you're taking the law into your own hands and defending your property. Like you're not supposed to do that. And I understand why, because it can lead to many more problems. And it can also lead to a situation where you go, well, he was in my house and you kill someone, but they weren't actually in your house. You like lured them there, like in Jennifer Lopez, Enough, which is a great movie. But in America, I am pretty sure that in many states, if someone robs you, you're, you're probably allowed to just murder them. Um, so show that episode to someone from Texas and see how it goes down. It was wild. And it is scary to think that, you know, these little boys, and I'm sorry, if you're 22 years old, I know you're a man, but to me, you're not. You're still a bit of a little boy. They've had terrible lives. They've committed a lot of crimes. Obviously, there's trauma there. Obviously, some bad things happened. But I mean, I don't think they should be killed or hurt. But I worry that, like... Criminals in this country are just going to be like, well, nothing really happens to me if I rob someone. So why don't I rob someone? And that seems like, oh, we just robbed you. But what about when that kicks off the wrong way and you use that crowbar and you accidentally hit this guy's wife because she surprises you coming from, you know, it's all dangerous. All crime is dangerous. And I don't know. It was a hot episode anyway. But my point is protect yourself this holiday season and all through the year. I think everyone should probably have a CCTV version of CCTV in your house. We have two versions of it. We have the ring cameras that are very popular and they'll send notifications to your phone and everything else. We also have like a built-in smart house, high-tech security system with layers of alarms and everything else. We also have things on all the windows. So like sometimes even if a bird hits the window the wrong way, the whole shit goes off. We're very secure now. We have... Cameras, floodlights, systems everywhere, but I'm sorry, you need that. No matter what kind of house you live in, someone tried to break in when I lived in my little church flat with Violet too. Um, Did that happen once or twice? Once. What was the other crime? Oh no, I was just mugged in the street. That was different. But yeah, my house, this guy was like drunk, tried to get in the front door. I felt badly for him because my house did look like a church. I felt like maybe he was trying to find Jesus. But after he knew it wasn't Jesus, it was my house, and I told him to fuck off, he still was rooting around trying to get in the back. And the police came. Anyway, don't fall for any internet scams. Don't fall for any phishing. Don't give any of your personal information out. If anyone calls you and asks for a code for your credit card, you tell them, suck your mom. 
It's a very 90s British reference, but you can use it. It's very important. Be vigilant and do not get yourself, you know, in the path of any crime because people are very desperate and that makes me sad, but I still don't want you to be victimized. Speaking of being victimized, oh, the celebrity news this week has shocked me to my fucking core. And yes, we will get to Balenciaga, but less reported and more shocking to me is that Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child accepted an award at the American Music Awards on behalf of Chris Brown and seemed to defend him. All right. If you don't know the backstory, it is not alleged. It was proven in a court of law that Chris Brown violently, trigger warning, domestic assault, violently assaulted his then girlfriend, superstar icon Rihanna. There were photos of it. Um, it went to trial and everything else. And I don't know about anything else that's been proven or not proven, but I mean, there's lots out in the ether about Chris Brown and his violent antics, his tendency for aggression. But this Rihanna thing was very, very public. Rihanna is a black woman in the music industry. Kelly Rowland is a black woman in the music industry. And I feel like the level of loyalty and sisterhood there being in exactly the same business uh, should be like female comics in this country, so strong. And to turn her back on what happened to Rihanna, like who knows what Rihanna's feelings are about that whole situation now. I think it's been about a decade, but I couldn't believe this. All right, so Kelly Rowland asked the audience at the American Music Awards to chill out, quote unquote, after they booed Chris Brown's victory in the best male R&B artist category. What the fuck is going on that men like this, like I, I don't feel like Chris Brown should be shot into the moon because he has a criminal record and a violent criminal record. But I don't, there's a fine line between like allowing someone to continue to live their life after they have, you know, apparently paid their debt to society and their victims and lauding them with praise. It's the same as Louis C.K. getting his dick out at work. <laughs> I don't think he should stop doing comedy necessarily. I really don't. I feel like if you want to buy tickets to go see Louis C.K., that's your right. And I think he's a talented comedian. But does Grammy, the Grammys, have to be like, and you're the best, here's a Grammy, and he's nominated again. And I think someone else problematic is nominated too. We don't need to be giving Chris Brown these awards, is what I'm saying, in the same industry as Rihanna. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's an overstep for me. So, yeah, this was in 2009. Oh, yeah, so more than a decade ago, he pled guilty to assaulting his then-girlfriend, Rihanna. He did not attend Sunday's American Music Awards after a planned tribute to Michael Jackson was canceled at the last minute. I mean, Chris Brown doing a tribute to Michael Jackson. None of the allegations against Michael Jackson have been proven, but a lot of people feel like he also is a participant in abuse. And what's really sad about it is I think Michael Jackson and Chris Brown probably had, um, on many accounts, very complicated, abusive childhoods. So none of this is ever black and white. Like it is very, the whole thing is very sad, but you need to stop the cycle somewhere and stop rewarding this kind of behavior. So then Kelly Rowland goes on the microphone, but I wanted to tell Chris, thank you so much. Oh, so the audience is booing and stuff. The camera panned to show this audience and she goes, excuse me, chill out. I wanted to tell Chris, thank you so much for making great R&B music. And I want to tell him, thank you for being an incredible performer. I will take this award and bring it to you. I love you. Congratulations and congratulations to all the nominees in this category. Brown had been due to honor the 40th anniversary of Michael Jackson's Thriller album at Sunday's ceremony in L.A., performing hits including Beat It, Billie Jean, Wanna Be, Starting Something, and Thriller. No reason for the cancellation was given. Brown himself was taken aback, posting a video of his rehearsal with the caption, You serious? Would have been the biggest AMA performance, but they canceled me for reasons unknown. Canceled you? They gave you an award. 
Well, because it's touchy, because it's hard for a lot of people to see a Michael Jackson performance. Someone who allegedly abused children performed by someone who definitely abused his girlfriend. Like, take the abuse out of this industry. The hell is going on? I don't know. The Michael Jackson thing, I think people have their own theories, but he's deceased. So we'll never really get to the bottom of it. But luckily, you can't libel the dead. So say what you want about it. Um, I'm not sure if his family or his estate can sue you. Don't know. Okay, and then the Balenciaga thing was terrible. If you missed this, you know, there are a lot of people who listen to telling everybody everything, and I appreciate you. I know that they're doing the Spotify wrapped trend right now where people are posting their top music, all the songs they've been listening to in 2022, and all the podcasts. And I have been so touched to see my little podcast that I record, sometimes lying down with a glass of apple juice pregnant, on a lot of your top charts. So thank you for listening to it. People have listened to like 11,000 minutes of my podcast this year. And that is like, oh my God, I think we're best friends because I just talk to you all day long. But there are a lot of people too that I see who, you know, they go, this is not normally something I would like, but I like it and I learn a lot. So maybe you're the kind of person who's like right on track with me and you know everything about what's going on with Balenciaga. But there are people who have no idea. So be prepared to have your mind blown. Balenciaga, a very famous luxury brand, I think from Italy. Um, Couture, beautiful fashion. They have a partnership with Kim uh, Kardashian right now. She looks great because she's wearing lots of Balenciaga, lots of their stuff. They've got really popular shoes right now, like trainers that look kind of like moon boots that all the rich moms are wearing, like big, chunky, white running shoes that I nearly bought. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything Balenciaga. All I've got, I'm pretty sure, is a flannel shirt, like a very Canadian-looking flannel shirt with a little T-shirt underneath. So it's very 90s. You tie the T-shirt around your waist, but it's attached to the flannel and you can wear anything you want under that, but then it just looks like you have like a grunge 90s t-shirt tied around your waist and this black and white kind of flannel, really soft shirt. That happens to be Balenciaga. It looks very casual. It doesn't say Balenciaga anywhere on it, but if it did, I would be very hesitant to wear it in the coming weeks. So Balenciaga has been widely vilified for its holiday ad campaign featuring children posed with plush teddy bears the teddy bears are wearing what looks to be S&M bondage gear. I saw this. Bobby showed it to me because <laughs> his social media is full of like, look what the left have done now. So, you know, he gets stuff that's inflammatory before I even get it. And I looked at the image and I saw this little girl with a very vacant, you know, neutral expression. And she's standing on a bed. And the bed has a few Balenciaga pillows. It's got Balenciaga glasses. It's got some purses on it and stuff. There are some sort of dragons and demons stickers on the wall. It looks like kind of cool, kind of punk. And then she's holding this bear. And the more I looked at the bear, I was like, what the? Oh, she's got Balenciaga trainers on and Balenciaga kids wear. They also do kids wear. And she's holding what looks like a purse. But yeah, it's wearing, I mean, I don't know a lot about the bondage lifestyle but it's got like leather straps on like a fishnet shirt a leather um you know choker with bolts or whatever and like yeah I mean it's bondage that's bondage and I thought what did a parent buy this bag that's meant for a woman and take a photo of their child with it what is this and Bobby's like no it's the campaign I'm like no it's not the campaign and it turns out it is the campaign, and there are several different photos like this. The bears are pretty cute, but the bondage thing is fucked up. And I mean, I think a lot of kids' toys are fucked up. I think some of those Bratz dolls, uh, if you're not familiar with Bratz dolls, it's like the modern Barbie, uh, so way more sexualized, big head, tiny skinny body, loads of makeup on it. They dress in... <laughs> Stripper clothes, basically. Fine if you want to be in the sex industry. Fine if you want to dress like that. But it's a child's toy. Like a lot of children's toys. Not to mention the entire music industry and the entire fashion industry 
for years and years and years have been borderline Nancy. Now, these kids in the ads are like four years old, whereas models are 14 years old. And Ariana Grande, to me, though a grown woman, is presented to look, I think, like a young teenager. And when Britney and Christina were sexualized, they were young teenagers. When Destiny's Child first started out, they were young teenagers. The music industry and K-pop and everything else, even if these women are over 18, they are packaged to look almost prepubescent to me. And certainly models look prepubescent to me. So like the entire industry is sick, but this Balenciaga thing is, is a lot for people to take. Uh, all right. So the company pulled the ad with an apology over Instagram for what many perceived as over-sexualizing children. Yeah. They said, we sincerely apologize for any offense our holiday campaign may have caused. Our plush bear bags should not have been featured with children in this campaign. We have immediately removed the campaign. So my issue with that is, why are you surprised? Because anyone who has had any exposure to advertising whatsoever knows that images like this for a huge, huge, huge luxury brand need to be signed off by everyone a thousand times. I can't even get stuff done sometimes that isn't signed off by like this person, that person, this editor, that producer, this, like it's nothing just sort of slips through the cracks and gets printed. And then all of a sudden the company goes, what? You put a child in the ad? Like, no, every inch of it is micromanaged. Everything. So yeah, thanks. Oh, we, it was not supposed to be kids. A hundred of you signed off on these ads. Although all the images in the collection have now been removed, eagle-eyed sleuths have noticed that in one of the now-deleted pics, uh, there was an excerpt from the U.S. Supreme Court opinion in the United States versus Williams, which upheld part of a federal child pornography law. Okay, so this is where it gets really sinister. Like, why would there randomly be a legal document Okay, so just to be clear on this, people are now combing through, like it was very clear, oh, you're using a five-year-old holding a bondage bear, that's fucked up, take that down. But now they've gone through all the campaign and one of the pics had a piece of like something from a trial, a piece of like courtroom legislation, whatever, whatever, which is like a loophole for non-seeness. I, I don't want to soften like what child pornography is, but I just don't feel comfortable constantly like talking about that actual very triggering word. So like non-seeness, non-seeness seems like a better word to use for the purpose of this podcast. But like, how did that document get in? It's nuts. So on the subject of this document, Balenciaga has filed a $25 million lawsuit against the producers who came up with that ad campaign. They allege that the producer North Six and the set designer Desjardins had purposefully included the judicial records in the ad without telling its executives. Balenciaga has described the move as malevolent or at the very least extraordinarily reckless. So I've read more about this. It says Balenciaga are saying, all right, we take responsibility for these ads with kids. Like we should not have signed off on that or we should have known whatever. That's like we apologize. We're taking it down. But with this little courtroom paper that featured in the other ad, they're saying the agency that we used promised us that everything in the background was fake, that it was just props and that nothing was going to be inflammatory. Like, I think the agency signed off on this like extra layer of like everything else used is just a fake prop from whatever. But it wasn't. It was this real book or this real piece of courtroom admin paper about child pornography, which really to me doesn't feel like an accident. It feels like really fucked up, but still you can't be like, yes, we take responsibility, but we don't like it is down to you, especially a huge company like that to sign off on every single thing. So now people are coming after Kim Kardashian because obviously this is a mess and Balenciaga are going to be on sale this Christmas. If you feel like they can ride it out. Uh, Kim K has a partnership with them and people are like, well, what Kim Kardashian, you you have four kids. You're fine with working with Balenciaga. So she said 
I've been quiet for the past few days, not because I haven't been disgusted and outraged by the recent Balenciaga campaigns, but because I wanted an opportunity to speak to their team to understand for myself how this could have happened. As a mother of four, I have been shaken by the disturbing images. The safety of children must be held with the highest regard and any attempts to normalize child abuse of any kind should have no place in our society, period. I appreciate Balenciaga's removal of the campaigns and apology. In speaking with them, I believe they understand the seriousness of the issue and will take the necessary measures for this to never happen again. She says now she is reevaluating her relationship with them. And that's not enough for some people. They're like, what do you mean reevaluating? The photos are Nazi, break ties with Balenciaga. But the trouble, I guess, for Kim is that she doesn't operate as an individual all the time. She is Kim Kardashian Incorporated or Kim Kardashian Limited or whatever. Like she's become a brand of her own now. So to extricate yourself from any you know, corporate partnership is tough. Like she has to do it in a tactful way or she'll get sued. And now Kanye West has come out saying that his racist or anti-Semitic tweets, pretty much he's insinuating that he wanted to get fired by Adidas. And there's a video of him the other day being like, never again in the history of the world will you see someone uh, dissolve a billion, multi-billion dollar partnership over a tweet. He's like, oh, no one got hurt. Oh, it's done. I'm not with them anymore. It's not the right way to go about ending a partnership. Certainly not. And people did get hurt, actually, because a lot of people were caused a lot of, you know, trauma and pain by any anti-Semitic language or tweets. But like, it seems like Kanye sometimes does these little smart moves where he's like, oh, I didn't want to deal with all the legal red tape of extricating myself from that business relationship. So I just tweeted something about the Jewish community and they dropped me and now I'm done. So if Kim K could be like, you know, Balenciaga are a bunch of like Irish pricks. I'm using Irish because that's my family and I guess I'm allowed. Then maybe she could get dropped by them. You see what I'm saying? And she wouldn't have to tactfully extricate herself from this relationship with what is now seemingly quite a Nazi brand. So that's been a great shame. It's been it's in the news this week and it's very icky. What do you think about it? Uh, you can always email me, telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I'm a celebrity's over. Didn't watch that. Um, but I did hear that my enemy, Matt Hancock, got to the final. And according to The Guardian, he has taken on a PR team, a big PR team that's posted 24 videos of him onto TikTok linked to his appearance in the jungle. He has almost 100,000 followers and half a million likes across his TikTok account, while videos of him overall have been watched 400 million times. So... For anyone who said, oh, you know, he was on I'm a Celebrity, former health secretary Matt Hancock, who gave loads of our money to his friends in dodgy deals during the pandemic, who put sick people back in nursing homes and arguably contributed to uh, quite a disastrous handling of the pandemic. You know, he was just on I'm a Celebrity, an ITV light family entertainment show to raise awareness about dyslexia. Oh, and to show that he's a normal person. Did he mention dyslexia once? This is why I can't stand politicians. I feel like they are the opposite of comedians. A lot of comedians that I know get shit for saying something stupid or saying something unlikable. We are telling little lies in jokes, you know, like different endings, different punchlines, like just uh, to surprise and make you laugh. Uh, using irony sometimes, pull back and reveal, different devices to surprise and engage you to illustrate a central truth. We are unlikable sometimes because we're trying to make you laugh. We're not trying to be liked. We're not trying to manipulate you into like thinking that we're this or that. We're just like, oh, that's funny. Here's my job. Politicians, on the other hand, a lot of them, not all, but like let's say 99%, are in the business of being liked. He just wants to be liked. He'll say anything he needs to say to be liked. He'll switch positions. He'll be a turncoat. He will tell you all kinds of lies 
or all kinds of like little truths to hide a bigger lie inside. So you can't really pin him down on things. He's vague. They're all like, oh, well, they'll change the subject when you ask them a question because inside they are liars who stand for nothing, just want you to like them, just want to be popular. This Matt Hancock thing, if he had any dignity at all, he would just keep his head down, take like some paperwork into his little office and write the wrongs that he has done to society. You want to be looked at like a normal person? Show that to us through how you vote for legislation that impacts our actual lives. Don't be making half a million K on I'm a Celeb and using it as a springboard to become a fucking TikTok star. You're already a meme for a bell cheese loser. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. And I'm sorry if you watched it. Like, gotcha. Everyone's like, oh, he's a really nice guy, actually. No, he's not. All right. I have something big coming out on Sky for you this Christmas. Ramesh Ranganathan wrote uh, an amazing Bonnie and Clyde comedy heist series called Romantic Getaway. I am in that. Ramesh wrote it with his business partner, Ben, and his amazing production company, Rangabi. Produced it. It was a great team. That's going to be out New Year's Day. Just to break up that time at home. You're going to be like, what am I going to watch New Year's Day? You're going to watch the whole series of Romantic Getaway. But before that, there is something else coming out on Sky. If you don't have Sky, maybe you should get it for Christmas. If you don't have Now TV, which is somehow related to Sky and you get Sky things on it, (laughs) maybe it's time to get Now TV. You can get a free trial. You can watch it on your laptop. You can watch it on your smart TV. You can watch Now TV on your phone. Now TV has so much stuff. It has like HBO stuff. It's got movies on it. This is not an ad. I have Now TV. I've had it. I was probably one of the first people in the UK to have Now TV because I could watch American MTV on it and Comedy Central. You might want to get that. If you've seen my tour show, Misses, that's great. If you'd like to see it again, maybe you'll be able to around Christmas time. If you haven't seen my tour show, Misses, maybe, maybe you'll be able to see it around Christmas time. Maybe I filmed it in Edinburgh when I first found out I was pregnant and I wasn't showing yet, except in the face, like always in the nose. And I thought, let's get this filmed. Let's get this under our belt and see where we can put it out. Maybe for Christmas. Maybe. I don't know. There's been no official announcement, but you're probably going to want Now TV or Sky soon. If you want to see that, show it to your grandma. It's a lovely story about me and Bobby and my family and falling in love and learning about myself and being a complete hypocrite who said that you didn't need a man, and then I went and got married like uh, eight months after I said that. You don't need one. I stand by that. Everything I said was true. You don't need one. And that's a beautiful position to be in because then if you choose one because you love him, it's the the best time to make the right decision for yourself. Either way, because you're not panicked and you're not vulnerable and you're not filling any gaps, but you are filling holes. I've been working on a joke about holes. Help me out with it if you can. It's sort of like golf and like what I think about these things late at night and I don't think they're funny in the morning. Kind of like, yeah, no, it isn't. It's such a dad joke. It's just Bobby always wanted to go up, play 18 holes and I only have three holes. No, it's no good. It's no good. All right, let's listen to some messages from our beautiful sponsors. And when we return, I will see what you have written me this week. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have any troubling life problems that you want me to fix, I will do that after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is quite important and it is in relation to an email from a previous episode. This is about a woman whose ex was abusive to her and now she knows that the ex is cheating on the new partner the new partner's pregnant. She worries that the ex is abusive with the new partner and I said, you gotta report this to professionals because if this is your genuine concern, don't get into the gossip and the mess of it and don't try to handle it yourself. You know, there are some things that we have resources to turn to that can do a better job. Someone wrote me and talked about something called Claire's Law. Look that up. That I think was a woman in a similar situation to you. And there's a law now that you can make um, a referral and, and they will look into this. But someone wrote me something with a lot more detail. They said, I am a designated safeguarding lead in a children's charity. And I completely agreed with your advice for the woman to share her concerns about the other woman with professionals. The baby is at risk, both in utero and when born, so she must report to her local multi-agency safeguarding hub. The acronym for this is MASH, multi-agency safeguarding hub. Google MASH, in your local area, you will find the number. Alternatively, the NSPCC offer great advice for free, and they will be able to talk you through your concerns and advise the next steps. The number for the NSPCC is 0808-800-5000. There are long wait times to speak to someone, but it would be worth the wait. Oh God, how sad that there are long wait times to speak to someone. So yes, I think that that's the best thing that you can do is hand this over to a neutral, uh, specialized third party. And you're right to have your spidey senses up if he was abusive to you and cheating on you. This woman is eight months pregnant when you wrote me, eight and a half now. So make that call and do the right thing and keep yourself safe as well from all the drama by staying out of it otherwise. Here's one on the subject of cheating exes. Catherine, I'm seeing my best friend's ex on whom she cheated and left. Do I tell her? I've known my best friend for two years. When I met her, she was in a six-year on-off relationship with this guy. She was cheating on him. I never told him it wasn't my place. Skip forward to April this year, my friend meets another guy whilst still with her current man. And within a month of knowing guy number two, she decides that she's marrying him. The wedding is booked within a week and she's married within two months. What? Side note, she was still in a relationship and living with her first boyfriend whilst booking the wedding and having an affair with her second boyfriend. What the fuck? Skip to August. It's all come out. Well, of course it has. She's married the new guy. The old guy knows everything. She's moved to the U.S. with the new guy and has totally left her life and me behind. (laughs) Whoa, what a fucking baller. Like there's cheating and there's overlapping. And I think they're different things. Um, I have never cheated in a relationship that was healthy and then like kept going in that relationship. Never. I think that I'm not alone when I say that like women and men often do it this way. Like a relationship fizzles out. It's done for a long time. Maybe you've told this person like, I don't love you anymore. It's done. And they won't leave or they won't get the message or maybe you're scared to tell them. I think women are scared to leave relationships more than men, but I do think men are scared to leave relationships too. I think that abuse uh, can work both ways and controlling behavior and fear and just being a general coward. You know, who knows? There are a multitude of reasons why you wouldn't leave a relationship. Maybe it's financially complicated or you have kids or you're just scared. But either way, when you overlap, that first relationship is dead in the water. So it seems to me like she's always cheated on this first boyfriend. She never really liked him. She strung him along for some reason, which she should not have done. Who knows why? Then she met this new guy and overlapped. Okay, but to go actually plan the wedding while you're still with the old guy is something 
I have never seen. Okay. In the meantime, I reached out to the first boyfriend. I'd heard through the grapevine he wasn't coping well. No, he wasn't coping well. His fucking girlfriend got married one day and moved to America with someone else. We saw each other a couple of times and ended up kissing romantically while watching the queen's funeral. It's what Liz would have wanted. All right. Since then, he's told me he really likes me, that he knows this is going to rock the boat, but he'd choose me over anything. He's glad it's turned out this way. He's met my friends, my family, the whole job lot. Come to this weekend. My friend is back in the UK to visit her family. She is still unaware of my growing relationship with her ex and asked him to see the dog that he keeps that they shared together. He was very open and let me know that she was coming to see the dog and I said fine. The night she went round, I didn't hear a thing from him until the next morning and I could tell something wasn't right. I confronted him and he was sheepish. Now I haven't heard from him in a couple days. Due to being hurt in my past, my defense has gone straight up. We were planning on telling her when she went back to the U.S., but now I think I just need to tell her myself. Apologize for what I've done as it's really shitty just to get my side across because I feel like her ex feels like he can just use me, drop me, and won't say anything. I've risked my friendship for this relationship and I can't let it slide. What? No. You're in like a lot of um, toxic relationships here. So first of all, This girl has moved to America. You're still friends with her, but you're seeing his ex, her ex. He chickened out, didn't want to tell her or like whatever happened while she was in town seeing the dog, which is messy territory anyway. He was just living with this woman like a second ago. Then she like up and married someone else. They still share a dog, which is all kinds of room for problems. It's basically like having a custody arrangement with children. It's, it's like he's always going to have to be in her life, uh, at least for a while. And who knows what happened between them that night. But I mean, I, I definitely think she's going back to America. She's not back with this guy. Maybe they had a long talk and it wasn't appropriate to obviously call you while she was in the house. And maybe he got some closure about like why, what the hell was going on in that relationship where she just up and left him, not only up and left him, but literally planned a wedding to someone else while she was still with him. She's your friend. So like, do you even know, like, were they banging this whole time too? Or were they just living together in a friendship, dead relationship? And she met this new guy. I mean, I don't know. I would get this info, not from him, but from her. And now you're heaping on all this stuff that he might not have even been done. Like, who says he's using you and he didn't tell? Like, I feel like it's always a mistake to try to fill in someone else's narrative and to say, well, you did this because you think that. and you Because you can't get in his head. You don't know why he didn't do what he didn't do. Also, I think it's worth being said that you're not being super disloyal to this woman. She treated this guy badly. She's married to someone else. So if it were my friend, I would be scared, but maybe just be like, look, you don't like this guy. You're married. You've moved to America. I love you and we're best friends, but like, I like this guy and I don't think you treated him well for a really long time. And I want to be with him now. And I expect you to not have a problem with that. And if you do, I mean, you don't live here. (laughs) But finally, and maybe most importantly, is I personally think it's a bad idea for you to be seeing your friend's ex, not because he's your friend's ex, but just because it is so soon after an earth-shattering heartbreak that he's had. And he needs time to build himself back up to be the type of person who can be an asset in a healthy, positive relationship. I'm not saying that you're a rebound or that he's using you. You know, you're feeding all of that narrative in. I'm just saying that you're close with his ex. You came to comfort him. He was low and you guys kissed at a very sad night uh, on the queen's funeral. You know, there's a lot of sadness and grief attached to your new relationship. And I think I would cool it off for a while. Use this weird meeting with the ex to be like, let's cool things off for a while. You see where your head's at with this ex. 
I'm not going to tell her for now. Uh, I'm just going to step away from this relationship for a little bit until you get your head together, you get back on your feet, you feel good about yourself, and you can enter back into this relationship with a clean, you know, clear vision. Because that's the kind of person that you want to be with. And right now, everything's a mess. Everything's a mess, and it's confusing you, and you're reading into it. No. And if you're meant to be together, then you can be together in six months or a year. But not right now. This guy needs to, like, decompress. I hope you understand. Ooh, here's one about a specialist subject of mine, sperm. Catherine, I'm afraid of con artist banks. I love the podcast. Last week, you spoke about a sperm bank you had an account with that you were still getting charged for, but ultimately got refunded when I didn't need the sperm because I got loads of Bobby's sperm. Could you please share the name of the place with me? Well, I don't know if I should, just for like confidentiality. I don't know if I should. Oh, let me think about it. Or others you could recommend. Oh, yep, yep. Others I could recommend. I can do that. And any intel you can share about what you've learned, how expensive it is, etc. I'm 38, single, and scared. I've run out of time to have a child, so I'm looking into this. It's not easy research, and I fear going somewhere and losing money or being scammed. Or worse, that story about the sperm bank doctor who was giving unknowing customers his own samples. That's so frightening. So I'm seeking quality recommendations, and I know you will have found the good ones. So here's what I did. First of all, these scams, you know, you see documentaries about like a crazy IVF guy who uses his own sperm because he has like a weird superiority complex and he wants to be like Genghis Khan and repopulate the world with his own sperm. It's wild. These stories are few and far between. I don't feel like that's happening a lot. If I'm wrong, please reach out and tell me if anyone's had any bad experiences with sperm banks. Listen again next week. And if anyone has, I will tell you. But basically, I think it's so regulated by organizations now. Like even to have, okay, so if you missed the episode, I bought sperm in like 2018 or something just to have in the freezer because I didn't want to pull the trigger on potentially having a baby in my family just with me and Violet and a nanny or someone that I would have needed as an extra caregiver. I didn't want to pull the trigger and and have a time crunch for having to like find the best sperm. So in advance, in 2018, before I was really in a position to consider that, I thought, well, I'll just start looking now for the best sperm. And if anyone jumps out at me, I'll put it on ice. So there's a place called the London Sperm Bank that I found to be really reputable. I did not like any British sperm, I will say. I felt like it seemed all very legit, but number one, I'm ethnically very, very, very English and Irish, and I have some problems from that. Like I, I'm, I don't have any melanin in my skin like whatsoever. I think all my ancestors lived in caves. I can't go in the sun, I can't go on holiday, and I have a lot of like Celtic autoimmune diseases um like lupus and celiac and whatever else uh celiac is very irish though you can have it and be from anywhere but you know like my family i feel like we're a little bit inbred and i feel like it's good to be strong by having the best genetics from lots of different ethnicities sorry nigel farage but i think it's like it makes you stronger to be ethnically diverse evolutionarily speaking so you know, the British sperm bank has other ethnicities. Of course they do. But it just wasn't, no one was like really hitting with me fine. So then I looked at the Seattle sperm bank and they have a partnership with the London sperm bank. So there are all these rules about moving sperm from countries and you can only use a certain man's sperm so many times in each country to make sure that he doesn't, you don't have like a sibling issue. So then you have to reserve from for siblings potentially down the road and they hit their max basically if too many people are choosing them. So I found this young guy in Seattle who's like 21 or 22 and his sperm name was Bodhi. I don't know if that's his real name. There were baby pictures of him and he just seemed very laid back and his heritage was like a Mediterranean sort of mixture. He had some Norwegian too and he had Italian, like a lot of Americans. He was very like mixed ethnicity and he just felt 
laid back and his baby pictures looked a little bit like Violet's baby pictures and there was just something about his energy, his aura in the voice interview that you can listen to. And I think this is pretty standard across all the sperm banks. You see baby pictures of them, you see like medical stats, uh, like genetic heritage sort of stats. You can hear their voice and the sperm bank gives like a description of them. Like we like him, he has like bone structure like this, he plays sports, whatever. And he just felt like a really nice guy and was donating sperm for the right reasons. Like very, oh yeah, I love my mom. I love my skateboard. I love my brother. I want to help a family out. Like just a Seattle (laughs) vibe, you know? Not trying to be like, I'm the best and the strongest. I want to have all the babies in the world. That like Elon Musk vibe creeped me out from some of the other ones I've read. So yeah, everything was really straightforward and I ordered it. I I rang a sperm bank that wasn't an IVF clinic. You know, these places are separate. There are women's clinics who work with sperm banks, but the sperm banks are separate and they have no like vested interest in giving you their own sperm. Like I wouldn't, I I understand your worry about that because it's such a crazy thing, but I don't think that really happens because on to my next point about having this sperm and forgetting that I had it stored is I just thought if I didn't pay or if I didn't use it, it would expire and it would go back into the bank. But I started getting invoices and the sperm bank was like, no, um, legally we cannot destroy it or give it back unless you sign all these things because it's super regulated. It's super safe. It goes through all these things. So I had to sign off like, no, I do not want to use it. No, I'm not storing it for siblings. Yes, I'm very happy for it to go back into the system and be sold to someone else, blah, 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 blah. And I forget the name of the organization, but it's so regulated. So you're very safe, I think, using any of these services. You don't even have to go in and talk to anyone. You can look online. You can just browse for like years if you want. And the thing is, we're told, you're 38 years old. You're told, oh my God, you're running out of time. You're not. You're not. I have a girlfriend who had twins when she was 46, naturally. So, I mean, you just never know. The best thing you can do is not smoke and stay pretty active and check your hormone levels if you want to. So that's another thing I did when I was 38 is I went to the Portland hospital and I spoke to a gynecologist there and she scanned my ovaries. You can kind of see a good indication on the scan Uh, They kind of look like honeycombs if you have a lot of follicles still or if you have very few. They'll do a blood work for you, check your, oh my God, I forget what it's called, like AHA maybe, some anti, I don't know, like some hormone, anti-malarian hormone, AMH, AMH maybe. Check that that's high. Um, Ultimately, they really don't know how many mature eggs you're going to get until they do IVF and you're stimulated and these eggs are retrieved, but they get a pretty good idea of where your fertility is at if you go and do these screening things. And that might put your mind at ease for a while, or maybe you'll get news that like, oh, actually these levels are low, so you should harvest some eggs right now, freeze some embryos maybe. You know, I think it's good to look into. It is our personal responsibility to take the lead on whatever our destiny, our legacy, our relationship with our children or not children is going to be adoption, whatever that is for you, getting a dog, being a fabulous single woman and not having children, whatever you want to do, do it. But it's important to look at it head on and not just let it kind of be something that you're scared to investigate. And yeah, it is expensive. And I do think that it should be covered for us because it's something that men don't have to worry about in the same way. And it's an injustice. It's a biological injustice. But It's a good investment if it's something that troubles you and then you can take it off your list and you don't go on dates being like, oh, I I better choose him because I got about two and a half months left. You know, you never want to be panicked like that. So if you have any extra money at all or if you think you could get a loan or if this is something that is a priority for you, make it a priority, look into it and don't be scared. That's actually all the time we have for today. I'm so sorry I couldn't get to more emails. Next week, maybe I'll start with emails because I love to hear from you. You can write me a letter telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Please watch my Louis Theroux interview on BBC iPlayer if you haven't seen it. There are lots of other amazing ones on there from Stormzy, Judy Dench, Rita Ora. 
it's like Louis Theroux is amazing. If uh, you want to see my special this Christmas, you might get to. I don't know. I don't know if there's been an official announcement. And Romantic Getaway comes out on Sky and probably now TV as well. It's on Sky Comedy. January 1st, New Year's Day. And I'm always on social media, so I'll see you over there as well. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com